Amen. Praise the Lord. Pastor Ricky, thank you so much for the exhortation during communion. You know, the scripture talks about what Jesus did for us in Second Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And one of the things that we read earlier today was that when we have communion, we are actually remembering him. We do it in remembrance of him. Spiritually, communion is like us watching a videotape of what Jesus did for us on the cross. In the first service, I asked a question which I would like to ask again. How many of us uh, are football followers here? You, love, you really love football. I'm not talking about... <laughs> you really love football. Okay. And how many of us love the Nigerian football team, Super Eagles? If you, don't, you, you cannot love football and not love your country's football team. All right? Now, if you're a real Nigerian football lover, there must be like three matches that you have, that you have watched, and you probably have a copy of it saved somewhere. What are those matches? Atlanta 96. The final. No, the, the, the semi-final and the final. Yes. And then you must also have 1994. Nations Cup. Uh, you must have it. And you must also have the one that we beat Greece and we beat Bulgaria. Now, when you watch those matches as a, as a football lover, a Nigerian footballer, what, what happens to you? Excitement, pride, confidence. You say, well, we may not have everything right, but this one, we're not bad in this area. Hallelujah. And if you were a Brazilian, if you were a Brazilian and you watched the game, where Ronaldo, Ronaldo, the real Ronaldo, Uh, that's, a, that's something I'm not going to get into. But the old Ronaldo and Bebeto and the rest of them they were all in the team. And this ragtag bunch of Nigerian players came. Well, it was 3 1. Well, you're kidding, wasn't in there. It was Kanu Wankwa and the rest. 3 1. And it was, was it 15 minutes to the end of the game? 3 2. Uh, don't worry, they've lost. And then towards the dying minutes of the game, 3 3. And then into extra time. And the first and the only golden goal in the Olympics was scored by Kalunwankwa. Some people in my, in my school, then I was in university when that happened, they actually stripped themselves naked and ran. <laughs> in excitement. <laughs> and I heard that some people in Brazil died. I'm serious. Heart attack. They, don't like, they would not like to watch that movie, would they? Uh-huh. But you would like to watch it. Now, when, you, when, you, when we do communion, what are we doing? We are celebrating the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ died, he stripped the devil of his power. And he gave that power to whom? So when we, when we, when we, when we, when we go through communion, it empowers us. It reminds us of what we have. And when the devil sees you doing communion, it weakens him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a, a clap offering this morning. Psalm 107, verse 23. I'll just read this quickly and then we will get into the word. Those who go down into the sea in ships, that's 107, 23 to 31, 
who do business in great, on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again into the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storms so that its waves are still. Then they are glad and they are quiet. So he guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men will give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This scripture challenged me when I was young. Somebody used this scripture to challenge me and it changed my perspective. You, you, you really wouldn't appreciate God's wonders, his power until you go out into the sea. Where you are, in the, you are actually in the deep and, you know, your north, your south, your east, your west, everything is just water. I hear that the sunsets are magnificent. Are they not? And then also the moon seems to be a bit larger when you are in the sea. I heard. But the most interesting thing, of course, that like the scripture has pointed out is the waves. When you have been in a ship or in a boat and you've seen very, very tall and high waves, one way or the other, you are going to have to trust God. Hallelujah. And that's what the scripture is saying. If you are in the shallow waters, you probably wouldn't uh, appreciate the Lord that much. You wouldn't appreciate his power that much until you go out. Amen. Today I want to talk about living the life. There is a life and there is a life. And I want to talk about living the life. Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that is here. Thank you for the anointing of God. That makes preaching easy and hearing the word of God a sweet delight. Lord, I ask that in the hearts of everyone, your word will be quickened. And we will receive your word with gladness today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. My, 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 my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer to speak your word with boldness. I give you praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. I told the story in the first service about once we went to the beach with the family we saw this young man with a fishing rod standing beside, I think it was a Leko Beach or Akodo Beach, I can't remember. And he, had, he was casting his fishing rod into the, into the sea, just at the, the, the shores of the sea. And when I saw him doing that, I just laughed. Because I said, obviously this guy bought this fishing rod in game, game stores, on his way down to the beach. And he has never ever fished in his life before. Because you will, will you catch fish from here, just... Standing over there and casting your rod into the... Will you catch fish over there? How will you get fish? You have to go into the deep. What did Jesus say to his disciples when he met them? He said, what? Launch into the deep. And then cast your net for a great drought. You, if, you are going to, if you are going to experience God, you can't be shallow. And it involves risks like we have seen. It involves some risk. You are going to have to trust God. And you cannot live an ordinary life. If you don't take risks, you won't have rewards. Little risks, little rewards. Nothing spent, nothing gained. We're not designed for the shallow end. We're designed for the deep. Daniel said, book of Daniel, 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 32. Those who know their God, 
They shall be strong. And they shall do what? Amen. You know an exploit is not an exploit until it's something that you have to explore. <laughs> so we need to explore the life that God has given us. What has God given us? John chapter 3 verse 16. I'm sure everybody here, virtually everybody here can recite that scripture by heart. So you don't need to turn to it. So what did God give us? He gave us his son. <laughs> to what purpose? For eternal life. Amen. <laughs> so what is eternal life? What is eternal life? Unending life. Timeless life. Good thing about scripture is that scripture explains itself. John 17. Let's go to John 17 and I'll read from verse 1. Jesus spoke these words. John 17, I'm reading from the New King James. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Knowing God. Did you see that? I think it was Charles Capps that said, Bible is so, un so simple, scripture is so simple, you need help to misunderstand it. And that over the years, we have, we have received a lot of help. <laughs> Religion, unfortunately, has gotten in the way of understanding the scripture. What is eternal life? Knowing God. And you might say, what? I know God. That can't be all. Oh, there is knowing God, and there is knowing God. In the book of James, James chapter 2, verse 19, he said, you believe that there is God, there is one God. You do well. Even the devils believe and they tremble. <laughs> so the, does the devil know God? Oh, he knows about God. There is an intimate experiential relationship you can have with God. And when you have that relationship with God, it first of all will involve a deep commitment and deep fellowship. It will produce fruit in your life. It will reveal the power of God on the earth. Praise the Lord. And it will give God glory. That is the eternal life we're talking about. How do we get into eternal life? How do we receive eternal life? We receive his son. So we get into eternal life by being saved. By receiving the gift of salvation. So what is salvation? There are about five words or so that describe salvation in the scripture. But the most popular words are soteria, which was used 45 times or so in scripture, and sozo. And those two words are actually from the same, from the same root word, sao, which means safe. But then the word salvation is actually a lot deeper than we think it is. Because when you say salvation, most people think about what? Deliverance from hellfire. Is that not so? Fire insurance. It's unfortunate, but many people, when they give their lives to Christ, they actually just bought fire insurance. I, I don't know about any other thing else, but that one, I don't want to go through it. Salvation is a lot more than fire insurance. It includes many, many things. It's like a package. You know, you have a package that has many components. Or like you have a smartphone. Like a smartphone that has many features. It's a smartphone. 
This is a note 5, not the note 7, so don't be afraid. <laughs> and if you don't understand what that means, then you're blessed. All right. <laughs> what can this phone do? Make a call. This can make a call. A 3310 can also make a call. So the primary reason is to make calls and to receive SMS, text messages. So to make and receive calls and to receive text messages. But is that all that this phone can do? What, what else can it do? It can browse. It's a camera. So I can, get it, I can get into social media with this. I can chat. BBM, WhatsApp, WeChat. What else? Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. I can take pictures with the phone. And actually, the smartphones of nowadays actually pack more power than many digital cameras. In fact, they call the smartphone the device that ate everything. Because digital cameras, Canon, and they started suffering in terms of their business because smartphones are packing as much power. This phone is also a Bible. This phone is also a bank. I can send money. Is that all this phone can do? It can take notes. This phone is actually my secretary because it can organize my meetings for me. I can browse the internet with this phone. Is that all this phone can do? What else can it do? Can help me maintain my health. Count the number of steps I take in a day. Measure my heartbeat. Measure my stress level. Is that all it can do? That's not all. It's a camera. It's a photo album. It's a radio. It's a touchlight. It's a TV. It's a calendar. It's a news channel. It's an audio recorder. With a small app, I can convert it to become a musical instrument. Is that not so? I can play the keyboard with this. I can play a guitar with this. I can even record an album with this. It's a game station. It's a, cam it's a video camera. It's a video studio. I can, I can produce a movie, a short movie with this. Is that all it can do? That's not all. It's a map. It's a GPS. The first time I ever went to Abelkuta, if I didn't have my phone, I would have been lost. Because <laughs> it showed me where to turn. It's also a translator. If I go to Germany and I want to ask for something, I simply type what I want in English. And it will translate it for me. And if I don't want to, if I want the person who is attending to me to hear it, I can actually ask it to, to pronounce the words. It's a dictionary. In fact, it's a university. But I can take courses on Coursera and on EDX with this phone. So if I'm using this phone only for calls and SMS, what am I doing with the phone? I'm wasting it. It's the same way with our lives. If you, the only reason why you gave your life to Christ is to be delivered from hell. I wouldn't say you're wasting eternal life, but you're not making full use of it. What does eternal life contain? Salvation from hell is there, yeah. But deliverance from every demonic oppression is also there. The day you gave your life, that was the end of ancestral causes over your life. Did you know that? When you were translated from the kingdom of darkness and you were brought into the kingdom of his dead son, the devil lost all power over you. Did you know that? Eternal life contains divine health, divine wealth, 
divine prosperity, long life, safety, protection, a good marriage, fulfillment in life, children, a good name, influence, spiritual power, and lots more. That is eternal life. And you can begin to express these things as you get into a deeper relationship with the Lord. You know, we was in Nigeria, we would say, how, to, how do I rock this phone? Let me ask you a question. How do we rock it in our life? Because there's a life, isn't there? Let me tell you about the benefits of eternal life. Please open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. I'll read it quickly because of time. But you can get there and you can also have it up in the New King James. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness. What does righteousness mean? Right standing. That's where we get the word rights from. In fact, I was told that the Bill of Rights in America was actually known in that language of the, uh, of the 18th century, it was actually known as the Bill of Righteousness. Meaning that if you abide by everything contained in this bill, as far as the society is concerned, you are righteous. Or you are within your rights. And it spells out certain rights. Every country, typically, would have a constitution or will have some document somewhere that spells out the rights that you have. As a Nigerian, what rights do you have? A right to life is the first one. Nobody can take your life. They don't, nobody has a right to take your life. Is that not so? So you have a right to life. Freedom of association. Freedom of speech. Freedom of movement. Some people are laughing and I say, I... <laughs> go and tell the police freedom of movement. <laughs> okay, maybe I should use America and explain it. <laughs> An American has rights, not so. Oh, no wonder. Some of us actually go over there and we combine Nigerian rights with American rights for our children. Okay, so I will use America as a case study. It, it, a child born in America, two Nigerian parents born in America becomes an American citizen, not so. That person actually has the right to become the president of that country. And the person has several rights and several benefits that they enjoy by virtue of where they were born into. So you get your rights by, by what? By birth. You know, Paul, when he was about to be whipped, there was a Roman centurion and he had suffered whippings before. So this time around, he said, look, I'm not going to go through it. He said, is it right to, to, to flog a Roman citizen? And the centurion looked at him and said, are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes. He said, I paid to become a citizen with a high price, the centurion was saying. He said, no, I was born a citizen. Hallelujah. Oh, as a Nigerian, born in Nigeria, you have certain rights by virtue of your birth. As an American born in America or born by Americans, you have certain rights because of your birth. As a child of God born in the kingdom of God, you have certain rights by virtue of your birth. You don't have to pay for it. And guess what? Do you know that a Nigerian father doesn't have more rights than his son? An American father doesn't have more rights than his son. Because if the father had more rights than his son, the father could infringe on the son's rights and the society can't protect the son. Are you with me? In the same way, your father in the kingdom of God does not have more rights than you do. You didn't hear what I said. I said God doesn't have more rights than you do. How do we know that? Because he made us to become the righteousness of God. He has given us the same rights that he has. It sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? 
But that's the truth. If it wasn't in Scripture, we saw it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, verse 21. We are the righteousness of God. We have right standing with God. As far as God is concerned, when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. And we did not have to pay for those rights. We were born into those rights. Or we were born again into those rights. So what rights does God have? What are God's rights? When Jesus was on the earth, what were the rights he expressed? I hope our theology is being shaken a bit. Huh? I have identified seven. There are many of them, but I've identified seven that I would like to just happen. The first one is a right to holiness. A right to live above sin. I want to jar your mind today. A right to live above sin. As an unbeliever, an unbeliever doesn't have a right to live above sin because they are slaves to sin. But we are slaves to righteousness. We don't commit sin. We commit righteousness. He that is born of God does not commit sin. For God's seed abides in him. And he doesn't sin because he is born of God. So when you are tempted, you can actually exercise your right to live above sin. Because you know that sin corrupts your fellowship with the Lord. An unbeliever doesn't have the power to resist sin. But you have the power to resist sin. When you resist the devil, what does he do? That's the first right. Ephesians chapter 4 tells you about that one. It says that uh, you, ha- you should put on the new man in verse, verse, verse 22. That you should put off concerning your former conduct. Ephesians chapter 4, 22. The old man which grows corrupt according to this faithful loss. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you put on the new man which was created according to God in righteousness and true holiness. God can ask you to put on something. If he has not given that thing to you and also given you the ability to put it on. Hallelujah. I can't ask, um, I can't ask you to put on a shirt or a pair of shoes if there is no shirt or pair of shoes beside you. The second one is a right to wealth, divine wealth. That is also the right to live above poverty. Look, you have an enemy called the devil that always wants to violate your rights. Just like we have some people in Nigeria that want to violate your rights or any country in the world. The devil does not want you to exercise your rights. But you have a right to wealth. How do we know this? We know this from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. I don't want to, maybe let's, let's, let's go there. Go to Deuteronomy 28. It's a very long read, but let's just read it. I, I think in scripture, I... In terms of the blessings of the Lord, I'm not sure, but I think that there are more references to wealth than any other blessing in the Lord. And virtually everyone who has worked with the Lord always demonstrated great wealth. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, Solomon. Even Jesus, when he was on the earth, there was nothing that he lacked. He says from Deuteronomy 28.1, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today. In other words, if you are in right standing with God, are you in right standing with God? By your own efforts? By whose efforts? Okay, so if you are in right standing with God, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Let us go on. 
Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be the basket of your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you in one way, and they shall flee in seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on, on on you, in your storehouses, that is your bank account, your investments. Hallelujah. And in all that you set your hand, any career or business that you decide to venture into. And it will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of your Lord and walk in his ways. In other words, if you are in right standing with him. Then all the people of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods, assets, in the fruit of your body, children, in the increase of your livestock, increase in wealth, in the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land, opportunity in this, in this season to bless the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. I'll just stop there for now. Being rich is a blessing from God. And it's a right that God has given us. God never intended for any of us to be poor. Poverty is caused directly or indirectly by the devil. I'll say that again. Poverty is caused directly or indirectly by the devil. And if you're poor or if you're struggling with poverty because you, you have a right to live above it, your first step to experiencing wealth is to acknowledge that you have a right to walk in wealth. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich and adds what? No sorrow. In fact, the Jews, the Jews of old, even up in the time of Jesus, when they see a, a man who is rich, they assume that the person is blessed by God. Because in their experience, everyone who has ever walked with God always demonstrated great wealth. That is why when Jesus said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a, a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God, they said to Jesus, who then can be saved? Because in their mind, the rich man is closer to God. You didn't hear that. <laughs> and I'm just people say, so if that's the case, then, then how come somehow religion has made it seem that being poor is being holy? Well, actually, that happened in the Middle Ages. When the word of God was, was oppressed, people were oppressed when they, when, they, when they read the word of God. And then they substituted the things. And they believed that man could not live above sin. And they also believed that if you were poor, you were closer to God. That's not true. That's not true. We have enough evidence in scripture to counter that. Divine health. That's the third one. So how many have we counted so far? The first one is what? Number two. Wealth. Number three, health. How do we know this? Isaiah 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. And by his stripes, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You have a right to divine health. You have a right to healing and to health. In fact, we should go beyond healing and walk in health. Because if you were healed by his stripes, when, when was Jesus beaten and, and flogged? How many years ago? 2,000 years ago. So if you were healed, then you are healed. Are you with me? 
The next one is safety and security. Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord that he is what? My refuge and my fortress, the God in whom I will trust. There shall no evil befall me. Neither shall any plague come near my dwelling place. A thousand will fall on my side and ten thousand on my right hand side. But only with my eyes shall I behold and see the reward of the wicked. He gives his angels... And they do what? They bear me up in their hands, lest I dash my foot against the stone. I trample upon the dragon and the adder. Hallelujah. I will not be afraid of what? The pestilence at night or the arrow that flies in the noonday. Hallelujah. God never intended accidents and mishaps in your life. You have a right to be protected from danger. There are angels around you. And God has given them an instruction regarding you. But what do you have to do with that right? You have to exercise your right. The next one is peace. Peace of mind. Isaiah 53 told us that the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you. That word is Natsar Shalom Shalom. Perfect peace. Shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. That's the, the, the rendition from the Hebrew. You don't experience peace just after you go to heaven. It's a rest in peace. That's not, you, you, peace starts from here. Amen. And it's God's intention that you live without worry. Peace is a, a life without worry. God never intended for you to stay awake at night worrying about your business, about your children, about your husband, about your journey or wherever it is. That's not God's intention for you. The Bible says that it is vain to stay up till late at night, to rise up early in the morning and eat the bread of sorrows. It is vain for the Lord gives his beloved sleep. If you are finding it difficult to sleep because of worries, you are not exercising your right. Jesus paid for that and he paid a huge price. And maybe I'll just talk about what he, what he did. Do you know when they flogged Jesus? Because the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. When they flogged him, they didn't use canes like the Jews used because it was Romans that flogged him. The Romans, like any other nation that has oppressed or ruled the world, they are experts in torture. They study it. <laughs> so you ever heard about the cat of nine tails? The whip? That was what the Romans did. It was their invention. So they would have a, a whip with nine strips, very long. And on each strip, they would tie pieces of bone and glass and nails. So that when they, when, they, when they whip you, it will wrap around your body. Then they will pull it. That was what Jesus did. And their intention usually is that they can kill you before the execution. Because usually the soldiers, once you are dead, they finish their beat and they, they can go home. So the quicker you die, the better for them. That was what Jesus went through. So that you can have peace. So stop keeping in your mind worries about your business, worries about your children, worries about your husband. Whenever you do those things, you are not exercising your right in Christ. And you are not giving glory to God. The next one is spiritual power. Spiritual power. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10 verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils. Matthew, Mark chapter 16, and these signs shall follow them that believe. 16 verse 17. In my name they shall cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is what God designed us for. 
long and fulfilled life. Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Psalm 91 again talks about it. He says that with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalm 90 says the, life of our, the, the days of our lives are 70 years. And if by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only of labor and sorrow, it's soon cut off and we fly away. In other words, there is an assurance you have from God that you should live 70 years on the earth. And not just 70 years suffering, 70 years fulfilled on the earth. And not just 70, 70 is the minimum. He said, if by reason of strength, 80. So if you add the grace of God, you should be adding, getting up to 100 or more. Long life is God's intention. It says, gray hair is a mark of distinction. The award of a God-loyal life. That's in the Message Bible. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 31. The silver hair is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 31. Did you see that? I see Christians living on three levels. And it's unfortunate because we should actually live on one level. But we seem to be living on three levels. The first level is defeated. Poor. Struggling constantly with sin. Always sick. Always getting involved with accidents and mishaps. To the extent that if, if something bad were to happen, you are sure that you, it will happen to you. That's not God's design for you. Hallelujah. Then I see the second level where you are now aware of what God has done. But you are not able to experience it perpetually. So you live from miracle to miracle. While miracles are great, they are not God's best for you. Because a miracle is a temporary suspension of natural laws. God never really intended for us to live from miracle to miracle. How do I know? For instance, you don't have money. And you need to travel to somewhere with your car. So you now say, God, I don't have money and I need, maybe it's late in the night, your car runs out of fuel. You say, Lord, I want to just, I pray in the name of Jesus, I'm going to put a gallon of water in my engine and it will convert to fuel. I'm fine. I've heard people with that kind of testimony and it's happened. And they pour the water in the engine into the, into the fuel tank and then they start their car and it works and then they go. Praise the Lord. That's a miracle, isn't it? Okay, tomorrow, you're not supposed to go again and say, Lord, that thing that happened yesterday, I want to do it again. <laughs> you know, is that is the proverbial saying of Jesus Christ, inviting him to your wedding regularly because you know that you don't need to buy drinks. <laughs> that's, not God's, that's not God's intention. Are you with me? God intends that you should pay <laughs> for the drinks. You should have enough. Yes, that's God's intention for you. Hallelujah. No, it's not God's intention of that you almost die. Then miraculously they lay hands on you and then you recover. That's great. But God's intention, if you're going to live like Jesus did on the earth, Jesus never went to the hospital. If he ever went there, he went to heal people. Whose rights do you have? The same rights with Jesus Christ. A miracle is always necessitated by a crisis. And it's not God's intention for you to live from crisis to crisis. God's intention is that you should live a fulfilled and blessed life. You are like on autopilot. If a man's ways please the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. You are so blessed. You don't even know that you are protected. How do you rock this life? How do you live this life? Seven important things to do. The first one is to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost baptism. If you don't get filled with the Holy Spirit, you, you won't even know the rights that you have. Talk less of exercising them. No, the Holy Spirit is like, like a full options vehicle. You know, full options, full, full spec. You know, 
automatic lock, locking doors, power windows, you know, DVD, power steering, everything. You know, some cars, they have manual windows and when you want to, if you forget to wind up the window at the back, you have to park the car, come out and, and God help you when that, the cable begins to become weak. Kind of situation where <laughs> if, if, if you're about to get into an estate or the toll gate or whatever, you will have to open the door to give them the money. Because <laughs> once you have shut the window, but it's like the ark, the ark, the ark in the time of Noah. Once it is shut, it is shut. <laughs> because if you open it, praise the Lord. Or the Holy, the Holy Spirit is like, you know, the window at the back is open. Oh, no problem. Doors are open. Oh, in the first service, I told them, told them about people. You know, if your if your doors if you don't have the power, the auto lock, you might just stop at the bus stop, and people will enter the car thinking that you are, and they can enter because <laughs> power steering. You want to reverse. When you have that is manual steering. If you have the manual steering, but if you have power steering, you want to reverse. <laughs> Just turn it and then it just turns automatically like that. Is that not so? Somebody <laughs> said something that I just like to say. He said, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you will still go to heaven. That's the truth. The only challenge that you might go to heaven quicker. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. John chapter 16. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears me speak, he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's the revealer of secrets, the edifier. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, please see me after the service and you'll get filled today. In Jesus' name. Number two, build yourself on the word of God. The Holy Spirit actually comes to reveal the word. Build yourself on the word of God. How do you do that? You study the word of God. You make a routine. You have a regular time that you study the word of God. Get a study Bible. Thank God for it. We don't have any excuses anymore. You know that. With you version, which is completely free of charge, you can get virtually every version of, the English, of, of English Bibles on your phone. You have absolutely no excuse. Thou, oh man, thou art without excuse. Meditate on the word of God. Mumble it to yourself. Mumble and grumble the word. Confess the word. Say the same thing. Homologeo in the Greek. Say the same thing that God has said about you. And stand up for your right. Be consistent in fellowship with God. That's the third thing. So number one, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, build yourself on the word of God. Number three, maintain consistent fellowship with God. Through his word and through his spirit. Number four, maintain consistent fellowship with the brethren. God never intended for you to be a lone wolf. One of the signs that you are becoming weak as a Christian is when you stop enjoying being around other Christians. And you know what it is when lions want to, when predators want to attack animals in the wild. What do they do? They separate them. They look for the one that is lagging behind. That one becomes easy prey. Number five, yield constantly to the Lord. Yield completely. Determine in your heart that you are going to change. I've seen people who have been Christians for 25 years and they're not much different from when they first gave their lives to Christ. 
make a decision in your heart that you know what, I'm going to allow God's word and God's spirit to transform me. Number six, partner with God through giving. Tithing, offerings. Bless people around you financially. Bless your parents. Bless your siblings, your cousins, your friends, your colleagues. Get involved with benevolence projects. Giving unlocks one of the rights that we have. The right to wealth. The liberal soul shall be made what? And he that waters shall be? There is he that gathers, yet tends to poverty. There is he that scatters, yet what? Increases. Then the last one, serve God with your time. Get involved with ministry. Everyone has something to do in the house of God with their time. So get involved with, you can get involved with ushering, with organizing the hall, with, 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 with setting up the equipment, with singing in the choir, playing an instrument, doing different things. You can get involved with evangelism, with following up people, with praying for people. Hallelujah. So let's just recap what we have learned. Seven rights. Number one, holiness. Number two, are they looking at <laughs> holiness? And then what? Wealth. And then number three, health. Number four, number five, number six, number seven. And then how do you how do you get into these things? Number one, Holy Ghost baptism. And then number two, the Word of God. Number three. Number four. Number five. Yield completely. Number six. And then number seven. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Hallelujah. 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 You can celebrate the Lord if you don't, if, if you want. You can give Lord praise if you've heard this. I want to, I want to pray for two, two classes of people. The first, the first set of people are people that want to begin to, to, to get into eternal life. You are, you are here and you heard me speak about eternal life, but you don't know Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to come into this wonderful life. There is a life and there is a life. There is a higher life, which is what we represent in this place. Hallelujah. Say, say these words with me, gentlemen. Say, Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I open up my heart and I welcome you. I confess today that you are my Lord. I forsake the devil and I accept you. I believe in my heart that you died and you rose up from the grave for my sake. I receive you into my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate the Lord today. Let's just very quickly, I want to pray for those of us who, with all eyes closed and every head bowed again, and this one I'm not going to ask you to come out, you know where you are in terms of expressing your rights of, of expressing your rights, and maybe you want to just take these few moments now, to begin to pray for yourself, and see those areas of your life where the devil has cheated you, and determine now that, you know what from today onwards, I am going to express my God-given right, my right to health, divine health my right to wealth, to progress and, and, and prosperity in this life, to, to moving up in this life. The Bible says that we sh you shall be the head only and not the tail. And, and your, right to, your right to live above poverty, your, life, your right to live above sickness and disease. 
Begin to just speak to yourself right now. Speak to yourself right now. Speak to yourself right now. Your right to be free from accidents and mishaps. Peace of mind. Safety and security. Peace of mind. Long life. Long life. Long life. Dispel every lie that the devil has told you that you're not going to live to be 70. Look, you're going you to exceed 70 because that's God's, God's blessing to you. So to exercise your right right now by, begin, by speaking it out. Speaking those things which the Lord has blessed you with. Say the same thing that the Lord has said over your life. A long and fulfilled life. Success in everything. You are blessed in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.